Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. But I know people where they lose hours following thread after thread after thread. So that's where you're better off making a boundary around it. Like I'm going to look, I'm going to give myself a half an hour, an hour of like TV, right? Social media experiment you know, at this time of day and usually probably not in the middle of the day, that's where you have to have a lot more discipline and boundaries because that's a different animal. And again, what happens is people mush all these together, right? And then the third kind of batch for me is social media that has to do with research where you're looking at other people, who other people are, what other people are doing, getting ideas. And so the time and the energy and the focus rules for those three types of social media are actually slightly different. But the problem is people lump them all together and call them all social media and there's no distinction. So they try to manage them all the same, which I don't think is very effective. How you day, how you day. That was the voice of Karen Tiber Leland. Now, she's been a guest on the show before. I would encourage you to check it out because she's always packed with a lot of actionable pieces of advice that you can apply to yourself. This time, we're talking about how to hack your time. Time is a relative concept. Time isn't something that many people feel they have enough of or sometimes they feel like they have too much of it. How can you hack it? to be the most productive that you can be. And I'm not talking about being busy for just busy sake. I'm talking about being productive for the best way you operate. That is what Karen Tyber Leland and I discuss. She's a multiple time author. We discuss her books, but this episode in particular is about being the most productive with your time. And I'm sure everyone could stand to learn a little something about time management. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what my accent was there, but I'm clearly excited. And that's because I want you to check out this episode. Speaking of episodes, please, please, please tell your friends, your family, your students, anyone in your circle about the As Told by Nomads podcast. That is the name of this podcast. Go leave reviews. Go leave your five-star comments. Let me know how you're feeling. Reach out to the guests on social media and, and share your thoughts, but also reach out to me and tell me what you want more of. I hope you enjoy this episode. I hope you really, really take today to practice being your best self. Till next time. Welcome everybody to another episode of As Told by Nomads. And today we have a two-timer. You know, Karen Tyra Leland was guest number 300, was episode number 300. So we, we've... We've been <laughs> we've been pretty busy there. We're approaching 600 now, but it's been quite the ride. I think the last time 
we had you, Karen. It was 2017. So I think we need a reintroduction. So I'm going to I'm going to tell the world about you. Karen Tiber Leland is the president of Sterling Marketing Group, where she helps CEOs, entrepreneurs, small businesses and Fortune 1000 companies build stronger personal business and team brands using strategic and comprehensive approach that integrates business development, branding, content, intent marketing, in, internet marketing, say intent, internet marketing, public relations, and social media. Today, we're going to be discussing her new book, which is called No Nonsense Time Management, 50 Tips to Hack Your Time and Get Everything Done. Welcome to the show. Thank you. It's such a pleasure to be back. I can't believe you're airing, you're getting towards 600 episodes. Yeah, it's the most consistent thing I've done. I, I've, I've been hosting this since 2014. And you you would notice, we, we were talking about this with your last book, The Brand Mapping Strategy. And, uh, you know, there's a there's an element of consistency that needs to be in play when you're, you're developing a brand or a message. So I think people really underestimate how important consistency is in developing any kind of brand, a CEO brand, a personal brand, a business brand, what, a book brand. Um, and the interesting thing that, kind of ties in with what we're going to talk about is, but you need to manage your time in order to be consistent because it takes time to be consistent. Absolutely. Well, let's start with that because since we've, <laughs> since we've talked, we've had um, a lot of racism, but we've also had a global pandemic and a pandemic of, <laughs> of, of many sorts. With the pandemic, a lot of things have, have shifted. Workplace environments, family dynamics, school systems, governments, uh, economic situations, and all these things have put many people in, I don't know, uh, in positions where they've had to reevaluate things. One of those things is how to manage their time or where Absolutely. to focus. Or, so what would you say to someone right now who is having to deal with being a parent, being a, a CEO or an executive or, or you know, a, a colleague and, or team lead? And then a husband or, or, or a wife or a partner, all these things are happening at the same time. And then, you know, you have those internal dynamics with someone who might be an extrovert who is now living in, in a place where they don't get to engage many people and someone who is an introvert who doesn't want to have all these people around them. There are so many things, Karen. I don't even know. How, what would you tell that person to do in order to structure their day I and their year? I think there's a couple of things to, to just step back and think about, which is one is the pandemic accelerated trends that were already going on. I don't think the pandemic create, like for example, the trend of video, right? Doing more stuff from video rather than traveling. That yeah. was already starting to happen. The pandemic just accelerated that. More people working from home, already a trend, the pandemic just accelerated that. So I feel like it isn't that it was the pandemic that caused it, but it did accelerate it. So we were gonna head there anyway, and I don't think it's going back. So I think even after everyone's inoculated and we're all safe and whatever the situation is, and it's, you know, quote unquote over, I still think we've had some pretty permanent changes. So I think that's one thing is nobody should be looking, thinking that, oh, we're going to go back to the way it was. So that's, that's done. But the second thing is, is that I really do think that the, we've had a shift. If you look at the, the history of time management, right? Years ago, it used to be, or decades ago, it was really about managing your time because most people went to work for a period of time, nine to five, 12 to four, whatever it was, most people had a defined period of time they worked. Yes. Okay. Even if you were an entrepreneur, it was a defined period of time. I would say in the last 10 years, that's really changed. And it's not, wasn't so much about a defined period of time. You might've worked different hours, different times, 
but it was more about managing your energy because you had only so much energy to put in places. I think the big shift that's happened with the pandemic is it's really now about managing our focus. That's the big shift that I think has happened. Because to your point, here you are sitting at home working, you're on the Zoom call, but the dog walks in, your <laughs> wife or husband comes in, the kids come in, you get hungry, you go to make a snack, you turn on the TV. So, you know, I think it's about managing our focus today more than even managing our energy or our time. Does that make sense? No, that makes sense. But I, I do want to probe even further with that because the, the idea of managing one's focus I think, you know, is, is, is very important, but how do people even determine what to focus on that? I think yeah. that, that's, the, that's what I'm, I'm thinking of at first, because I, that's what I, I've noticed with people, people's worldviews being rocked, right? People come to terms of realization, like, whoa, shoot, I didn't focus on that. Or people in businesses having to ad adapt to new environment while hiring and growing. And so what is that step? Or what are and those that, things that they can do? It's the competing, what looks like competing priorities, right? Mm, okay. So one of the things that I, there's two things I have to say about that. I had a client call me the other day, a CEO of a, of a nonprofit. And she was complaining to me that she goes, I don't understand it. I'm just not getting everything done the way I used to. I'm not as focused, right? I, I have all these competing priorities. Everything on my to-do list doesn't get done. And I said to her, well, there's a couple of things. One is, is that most people have what I call magical thinking around their to-do list. So they have this entire to-do list they write down for the day and then they don't get it all done, but they think they're going to and then they feel bad at the end of the day because they didn't get it all done. <laughs> and part of what I'm telling people with the regards to that focus is look at that to-do list for your day and pick two things that you absolutely feel you must get done that day that are the focus of that day. And your only job is to make sure those two things get done. If other things get done oh besides God. those, you consider it a bonus, but you don't get all crazy and magical thinking, thinking it's all gonna get done. That's one thing I've been having people do that's been very effective. But the other thing is I think you just have to recognize, and I was saying this to this client as well, there's a lot going on in the background. So for example, if you're working on your computer and you're running a big software program, a big graphic software program, it's gonna slow down your computer. You have to think that right now in our world, we have a lot of software programs running in the background of our world that are slowing us down. They take our attention whether we recognize it or not, right? Yeah, yeah. Even if it's subconscious. So no one I know is at their full focus capacity. So some of the, so I think one, it's recognizing that Two, it's really getting out of the magical thinking of the to-do list and picking one or two items or three items a day that you commit to doing and making sure you do those and everything else is a bonus. And then I think the third thing is what I call the power of B items, right? So here's how B items work. A items are those things that are really urgent and really important and they have to get done because they're urgent. You know, you said you would do it. You have a proposal deadline. You have to get it done by then. You have to write that chapter for the book. It's due to the publisher by then. You have to make that call to the client because you promised you'd do it by that day. So there's an urgency to A items, right? They're easier to get done because they nag at us because they're urgent. C items are more routine things. You have to take your laundry to the dry cleaner. You have to get, you have to pay your bills. Otherwise the lights go out. You know, those are, they're not sexy or urgent, but they're the routine things that run your life, right? B items are items that aren't urgent, but they are important. In other words, they're items that move you in the direction of your most important goals and objectives, but they're, and so they're often branding and marketing and business development items, but 
because they have no urgency, they're often the items we put off till the last. So one of the things I tell people is you should have at least one B item that you're doing some work on every single day in addition to your two you have to get done so that every day you're experiencing making progress towards that B item, that you're focusing on that B item. Because otherwise it's too easy to just do all the A's because they're urgent and screaming at you and all the C's because your life will fall apart if you don't, but not do anything that moves you in that direction of what you're trying to achieve. Does that make sense? You know, yes, it does. Because I'm thinking about it last year, right? You know, it was a, it was a lot, <laughs> especially. Uh, but one of the things that I realized, I think, I don't know if this might be my BIM was, it was, it was therapy. So I've always been going to therapy. I was going to therapy before a pandemic, but it was something that I realized that I needed to, um, to do, but I had so much to do in terms of work. So I think those would be my plate. AI, my, yeah, my AI items, but that one time a week, you know, even if I was thinking of skipping it, I can see how that would have derailed any other thing, right? Because in terms of priority, I needed to deliver X amount of deadlines by more this foundational. time. Yeah. But, but I still needed to go to that, right. just, just that one 30 minute session or one hour session, just to, to release things that I was, right. I was carrying. And it's a little, it's like things like exercise, eating well, exercise as well, business exactly. development, therapy, all of those things are things organizing my website. Easy, yeah. Right. To fall through the cracks because no one's there going, you need to do this. This is urgent. Yeah. So it's, that's where the discipline of focus on those B items comes in. And they really are magical. I mean, I just, wow. you know, they are, they are magical because when you do them, you move substantially forward. So I have a question then, because one of the things that I did in, in, in the midst of the pandemic was I rebranded, well, not rebranded, reorganized my uh, personal and company website, just because I knew I was like, okay, if you're getting all these opportunities, you also have to make at some point, you know, it's going to be, it's organic and all these things, people are going to have to look like that. So yes, you're doing these consulting and all these jobs and speaking engagements, but make sure this is also up to par and reflects the, you know, the, the newer stories. But I then wonder, wh what do you think about that delegation aspect of time management, right? Well, do, do, yeah. You know, what, I, I think delegation is really powerful. It's so funny because I had a guy on the phone the other day, a CEO who was looking to hire me to do some executive coaching and some CEO branding work with him. Mm -hmm. And as I, and he hadn't hired me yet. And we were just in these discussions and we were talking and I, and I asked him about delegation because he was saying, I never have enough time. And, you know, I'm ending up having to do all these things and blah, blah. And I asked about delegation and he promptly started to tell me how, well, everyone in his company only gets 80%, only takes things 80% of the way. And he has to come in and do the last 20%. Mm. And I said, okay, but you're by constantly stepping in you're training people that all they have to do is 80% that you'll rescue them and do the last 20%, right? And so part of it is the delegation isn't just giving somebody something. It's one determining what are the things that are on your plate that you really shouldn't be doing either because one, it's not within your talent base. You're not really that good at it. Two, the amount of time it takes you to do it, there's an opportunity cost. You could be spending that time doing something much more important, business development, branding, marketing, content creation, whatever, right? And then three, you have to take the, and this is the rub, 
you have to take the time to train someone else or to set someone else so that they win at doing that delegated item in order to have it be done. And most people think, I don't have the time to delegate the item. But the truth is you have to look at the long term of the delegation, which is, yes, you might take an hour to teach them how to do it now. But over the next month, that's 10 hours that you're going to have back from that. And so it's the short term versus the long term is often where people get into a situation around delegation. Yeah, that is beautifully said. Is this part of what you call the uh, the eighty twenty game of accomplishment? Yes, it's part of the eighty twenty rule. Yeah, yeah okay, absolutely. There are there there are other tips you have in the book. You you say harness the power of completion, and then yeah, there's there's another one. I think that one. one is so important. You know, yeah. it's really interesting. I think one of the things we have in our world today, it's I would actually almost call it an epidemic is we have an epidemic of incompletion. And what I mean by incompletion is not finishing everything, hmm. but knowing where you're at with things. So just let me just give you a couple of examples. This happened to me this morning. I'm working with somebody on redecorating a property I have on doing some building in a property I have. She tells me she'll get me the plans by Tuesday. Tuesday comes and goes. I don't hear from her. I don't have the plans. That's, she has just created an incompletion for me. Whereas even if she had said, Karen, I know I said I'd have the plans to you by Tuesday, but I'm not, I'm gonna have it to you by Thursday. Now I know where I'm at with it. I go, okay, well, she couldn't get it by Tuesday, but she'll get it by Thursday. She, and I told her when that happened, I said, listen, I'll just call her Jane. I don't wanna use your real name. <laughs> I'd, say, I'd say, Jane, here's the thing. The way I work is I expect you to do what you said you're gonna do with me. So if you can't, you just have to let me know, but don't create an incompletion for me by making me wonder. No, no, I'm sorry, I won't. Would you like to guess how many more times she's done that to me? Zero? Two. Two, never mind. Now I have to have a conversation with her called, I can't work with you. If you do this one more time, I'll have to part ways with you and find somebody else yeah. because I, she's creating a lot of incompletion for me. So we, one, we create incompletion for other people. I'll give you another example. You ask someone for a proposal, they give you a proposal. If you don't want to do it, there's no problem with that, but just send the person a one line, a one sentence email that says, thank you so much for your time. I've decided to move in another direction. Mm. How hard is that to do? Preach. I, I, you're, you're not going to get any arguments from me. I, we're in, you know, we're consultant, both of us. So this is something we deal with all the time. And, and you know, so we create a lot of incompletion for ourselves, but we also create a lot of incompletion for other people. And so everyone has this nagging and it takes our focus. Incompletion actually takes our focus. Yeah. So it's we have to get ourselves more into the habit of completing. And again, I don't mean finishing things necessarily, but being clear where we're at with them. You know, I, years ago when I first started working, I worked for a department store and they sent us to this luncheon training program. And I re, I'll never forget the speaker at the luncheon. The speaker was a, this great woman. And she said, you know, I'm going to tell you the four things to do that if you do them, you'll have a fantastic career. She said, here's what the four things are. Number one, show up. Number two, show up on time. Number three, show up prepared. Number four, do what you say you're going to do. <laughs> and honestly, I have lived by that most of my career. Not that I don't occasionally make a mistake because everyone does, right? Yeah. But I've lived by that. And the truth is that when you don't do those four things, you create a lot of incompletion for yourself and for other people. And so that is a drain on our energy. The, the opposite of that is when you complete things, then you generate energy for yourself and other people. 
One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Uh, this is, yeah, I agree. And I think, I think I, I love that you distinguish between completion and, and, and uh, finishing. Because, yeah. Because there's, there's, there's a point where, where you just have to truly be honest and reflect with, okay, my sense of completion here means um, parting ways with this person, parting ways with this group, or understanding that this isn't working and needing to you know, let that, let, let that or go. Or saying, I, wa- I wanted to do this item by Friday, but I know I can't get it to the person by Friday. I'm going to have to let them know that I can't get it to them till Monday. There's completion in that because you're just not leaving it hanging out there like what what are they doing what's going on it's dangling there well what about uh let's talk about social media because that's the other thing that can it can play into people's completion strategy but it's also now everywhere it's not that it wasn't everywhere before but you know i'm also a professor and i and i am a ceo and i'm a writer and i'm a speaker everything i'm doing is online i'm teaching students online i'm having speeches online i have a, a presence in social media it is online it almost feels like you know everything is there and and that can be uh hard for some people to deal with seeing yeah. that things that they normally would do in person is now online in addition to the things that they they thought was res- you know were reserved online are also online as well so how can people deal with Find that balance and, and, and not getting overwhelmed. With- you know, social media is a little bit like gambling and drinking. <laughs> I mean, you know, you have to, you have to, you have to, in small amounts, it's fine. But when you cross a line, you get into trouble. So I think, I think it has to do with understanding that when we say social media, it's not just one thing. There's different, you know, compartments of social media. There's, for example, the social media that you do that puts out the content that you create. So, you know, your podcast, my podcast, the, you know, the, the articles you write, the content. So there's, there's the social media that we do that has the purpose of putting our thought leadership out in the world or our industry leadership out in the world or having our clients be able to see who we are, right? That's sort of one basket mm-hmm. of social media. That social media is pretty easy to manage because you can get an editorial calendar. You can write to that editorial calendar. You can put things into something, you know, and 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 have them roll out three or four times a week. So that that's one kind of social media that has a very definite purpose that can be managed in a particular way, right? Then there's this kind of like drunken, crazy social media where you're working on a project and your thing dings and you go look at Facebook and you go down the rabbit hole of everything everybody's doing on Facebook, right? That's the kind of out of control, drinking, drugging, gambling social media, right? That's where you're just like, woohoo, right? You're drunk on social media. That's the most dangerous one to our time and our focus because I don't particularly do this, but I know people where they lose hours 
following thread after thread after thread. So that's where you're better off making a boundary around it. Like I'm going to look, I'm going to give myself a half an hour, an hour of like TV, right? Social media experiment, you know, at this time of day and usually probably not in the middle of the day, but that's where you have to have a lot more discipline and boundaries because that's a different animal. And again, what happens is people mush all these together, right? And then the third kind of batch for me is social media that has to do with research where you're looking at other people, who other people are, what other people are doing, getting ideas. And so the time and the energy and the focus rules for those three types of social media are actually slightly different. But the problem is people lump them all together and call them all social media and there's no distinction. So they try to manage them all the same, which I don't think is very effective. Just wanted to stop by here before we get back to the episode. I wanted to let you all know that I do have a collective for people who are interested in developing their cultural competency skills, becoming more anti-racist. And it's a resource of things that you can do with your family, with your school, with yourself to work through your individual journey to become a better culturally competent leader. It's called UID Collective, and the link is in the show notes, but it's a mix of courses, it's a mix of resources, things you can download, and all you need to do is sign up as a member. It's a monthly membership. I'd love for you to check it out, use it with your friends, use it with your family, use it with yourself, okay? The link is in the show notes. It's called UID Collective, and it's for those of you that want to improve your cultural competency skills. Back to the episode. Yeah, yeah, and it can drain you. It can sap you. Uh, just because, and also it can make you even more cynical. I, I've seen people lump the whole or thing depressed. and say, I hate social media. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. That too. And he's like, I hate social media. It's always this. And I'm like, wait, and that, I say the same thing you say, well, what are you right. using it for? Exactly. <laughs> or, you know? Yeah. And it, it's uh, yeah. But then, okay. So we have all these things. Where do goals factor into this? You know, well, I in, think in our... goals are really important because goals are part of what drive the B priorities, right? If you don't know what your goals are, how do you know what your B priorities are? So I think goals are really important. I think where people get, it's so funny because I, I just had this conversation with a client the other day, again, another CEO of a, of a, of a fund, of a hedge fund. And we were having this conversation and he said, I feel, he said, I feel really bad when I have a goal for a certain number to make and I don't make it. And I said, well, is that goal a a promised goal or is that sort of the go for it goal? And he goes, what's the difference? And I said, well, a go for it goal, like is the goal that you'd like to achieve, but the promised goal is the thing you're absolutely going to do no matter what. And so I think you have to distinguish between goals that are aspirational and goals that are like, no, I'm really going to do this this year. You know, because the truth is, if you, let's say I'm going to just give, I'm just going to make numbers up, right? Let's say you had a business and the business did half a million dollars a year consistently. And you decided the next year you were going to go for it. You were going to do a million dollars this year. And you worked and worked and worked and worked towards this goal, that goal. And instead, and you, and instead of a million, you did 750,000. Well, you still did better than you would have done had you not had that goal. So I think what happens is everybody needs to have stretch goals that really make them stretch because you'll always do better in a stretch goal. But then you also have to have goals, not that are like predictable, but goals that you know are a little bit of a stretch, not a super stretch. Because you do want to have that experience of at least meeting the goal or meeting a large portion of it. And I think where people run into trouble is, again, they treat goals like all goals are the same and they're not. 
right? There's All very, there's, there's different levels of goals. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. Well, can we make lists then? I mean, oh, would that be yeah, good? Yes, of course. I think like I, I used to something called Todoist, uh, which is, just, oh, yeah, I, I like Todoist. It just works for me. And I have a, one of my Todoist categories is called, is called future to do's. When I think of something I might want to learn or do, I stick it in there. So it's again, for completion. Because now it has a place to live instead of in my head, right? So it's complete because it's out of my head. Then I have another list for goals for different areas. And every year I sit down and I think, okay, for this year, 2021, you know, what are my goals in different areas? What are my relationship goals? What are my health goals? What are my business goals? What are my travel goals? Right? Yeah. What are my yeah. goals for what are my spiritual goals? What are my goals for 2021? Now I don't happen to set a lot of goals because I have found that you can't actually really manage a lot more than about seven goals at a time. You people write like 50 goals and I think nobody can manage 50 goals in a year. Come on. <laughs> but, you know, yeah. so I don't set a whole lot, but I set them and I review them pretty much every day. Yeah. That's good. I like that. Uh, you know, Kings and Queens and royalty. We, we interviewed the CEO of Todoist in episode 151. So if you want to check that out, you should, you should listen to the episode, but that's, that's what Karen Tiber was talking about here. So having productivity apps, having things that really make your life um, easier, but put things in a visual way for you to see if, if, if it's, if it's, if that's your, your primary, uh, you know, sense, you could be auditory as well. Just make something that organizes your thoughts in some shape or form. And I think what you said is really important because I'm, because I'm an artist, I'm a visual person. Yeah. So I write the goal down, but I usually take every goal. And I just personally, I'll usually take a eight and a half by 11 sheet of paper and I'll cut out images and I'll actually do a collage that represents that goal to me. And then I take a photo of it and I keep it in my phone. Because for me, reading the words doesn't have as much impact as seeing the visual. Again, yeah. And that's just the way I process. And other people are different, right? Yeah, yeah. they could be auditory. They could be kinesthetic. They could feel it. And exactly. it also depends on your senses, right? Some people have access to different senses. And, and just, I, I believe, I firmly believe this. Knowing your learning style is one of the best things you can ever do for yourself. Because it's going to, in, in, you know, I, I guess, infuse and educate every single way you show up. Because well, it isn't just your learning style. I agree with that. But I think it's also how you learn. Like you have to know. Yeah, same. Yeah, yeah, that. exactly. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and it's that. And, and the reason I said that is because you then you know how to take information and how you gather information. And, and I'm in the, I started diving into the education world because of this. And when I talk to students, especially students who aren't familiar or used to online learning, you, you get to know them individually and you can see how sometimes the system might have confused them for quote unquote, not smart because it was a different style. Because they don't learn in that way. Yes. Yeah. And then I'm like, oh, well, you just, no one has just told you that you could do it the, the other way. But you know but what's it, interesting is, and yeah. you know this as a teacher and as a consultant, yeah. I really, what surprises me though, is when I run across consultants or teachers who can only teach or coach in one way. Mm. They don't have the flexibility to understand, I might have to coach this person differently than I coach that person because of their learning style. I find that really fascinating. Well, I mean, I, I agree with you, I, uh, but you, you find it fascinating. I find it frustrated. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, but, you know, not that I'm, I'm not saying I'm better than anyone. I'm just saying it's part of the problem. That's that. Yeah, and, and it's part me, of the problem. 
and and it, it you know it's you know but my my life is focused on this madness systems of oppression so i have my anger in in <laughs> channel that <laughs> at architects of keeping things the same but you know that's a i'm going to therapy but uh <laughs> the the um the uh, last two things i wanted to talk to you about were the, the infamous inbox right right the, the, and and then figuring out our interruptions right how do we do that yeah well, the, I mean, the email inbox is the ongoing, you know, challenge for everyone. I try to clean mine out to zero at least once a week. Um, so one of the things that I have learned about the inbox and cleaning it out is one, there's a lot of, we, we often use our email inboxes as a holding, like a to-do list. We hold mm. it as a holding place for items. And what's better to do is to take those items and write them down in something like a Todoist or move them to a file called to-do so that don't live in the active inbox because you don't see them anyway. So that's one thing. The, it's, it's really a lack of decisions. We get something in the inbox and we don't wanna know what to do about it. So we just leave it there. So I think the key is making a decision with what's in your inbox. Some things are there and you could just do them right now and they'll take a minute to do and you just better to do them rather than let them sit there. Other things we should just have to tell the truth and go, you know what, I'm never gonna do this. I don't have the space for this and just delete it. Complete it by deleting it, right? It actually feels kind of good. Then there are other things that we know we could delegate. You have to create a file for delegation and just drag them to the delegation file. You have to create a file for deferring and doing them later and drag them to a defer file. This way they're not hanging out in your active email inbox. They've at least gone to other files because the thing that kills people is when they have hundreds or thousands. I know people that have thousands of emails in their inbox and I'm like, how do you function like that? You know? So I think that's one thing about, about handling the email box. You know, interruptions are a little bit like what I was talking about before with focus. You have to put some structure in place. That structure might be time calendaring where you say, okay, between 12 and one today, I'm going to focus on project this project and I'm going to turn off the phone. I'm going to turn off the dings. I'm not going to eat anything. I'm just going to make myself sit at the computer and do that project or wherever you're doing it, right? So time blocking. I think it's also part of part of interruptions is you have to let people know, especially when you're working from home. I need a half an hour of focus time. I'm going to ask you unless it's an emergency, do not come in and bother me during this time. Facts. Right? You have to like let people know. Like whenever I have something like that, I'll put a note on my door so the doorman don't knock on my door. Oh, uh, I haven't done that. I should do that. Right? Because the doormen yeah. are great, but they'll knock on my door. So I'll put a thing on there and I'll say, I'm in a session for the next half hour. Please don't knock on my door. That way I don't get interrupted. Right? And so uh. I feel like that, it's the, it's the structure that does it. You know, you can use your timers on your phone that are great, even if you're just setting the timer and like, okay, 15 minutes of focus. And I think those are simple things that really help with interruption. You know, the biggest problem with interruptions or one of them is what they call self-interruption. So here I am, I'm working on an article, right? I'm working on an article and I think, oh man, I got to order some half and half because I'm almost out of it. So I stop and I go on and I order half and half, you know, on the grocery delivery. That's a self-interruption, right? As opposed to, nope, I'm working. I'm not going to do it. I'm just going to jot it down quickly so I don't forget it. Continue working. Yeah. So we do a lot of self-interruption and the statistics are it takes us upwards of 20 minutes to get back to what we were originally working on when we when we get interrupted <laughs> 20 minutes that's 20 a lot minutes. that adds up too 
That adds well, up. And it not only adds up, but think about it. Focus is not a straight line. It takes a little bit of time to get into the space of focus. Then you're in, it's like sleep, right? You get into the space of focus. There's shallow focus and then deeper focus. And then you have to get out of focus. So the thing is, we don't leave time on either side. We just think, well, I'm going to just focus for that 15 minutes without taking into account the slide in time, the deepening time, and then the slide out time. Wow. Well, there you have it. There you have it. And if you want more, you, can, you should check out her book, which is called No Nonsense Time Management, 50 Tips to Hack Your Time and Get Everything Done. You wrote this with a partner this time, though. How was you know, that? I wrote this with my former business partner when I ran the management consulting firm, Keith Bailey. And we've actually written a couple of books together. And the publisher of a time management book we did came back to us and said, how'd you like to redo that book and update it with all the new information? And we said, sure. And I have to say, we had the best time doing this book together. We hadn't, we hadn't, we've been friends for years, but we hadn't done a book together for, you know, a decade and we really had a good time and it was during the pandemic. So it was all through zoom and calls and we had a really, really good time doing the book together. Now, this is good because oh, yeah, I'm looking now. You've you've done public speaking book with him, a customer service book with him, uh, email. We but did then, three or four books yeah, together. Yeah. I've done three. I've done two or three by myself, and I've done three or four with Keith. Yeah, yeah. that's I've so I've never written with a partner. I, I I imagine a lot of these time, you know, management skills that you're bringing up here are important to recognize. In you know, it's funny because I'll t I'll just share one thing with you, which is when we were, wrote the first three books, we were really good partners in writing the books, but man, we fought it out over every sentence. <laughs> and you can tell that we're older and more mellow because this time we're like, yeah, sure. Okay, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> because something about the quality, but we weren't so stubborn about, we were like, oh yeah, that's good. That's fine. If you want to do that, sure. No problem. And we were laughing because we're like, yeah, now we're just all old and mellow. <laughs> yeah. No, that 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 comes with time for sure. But no, I, I'm 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 so loving this. Again, the the book is going to be listed and put in the, in the show notes. So we'll make sure that we we get as many people to your book. But thank you for so you know all the things you do. It's you know you 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 share your gifts and you're you're very passionate and you're unapologetic about it. Well, thank you. It's always a pleasure being interviewed by you. I always enjoy it. I hope I, I hope I get invited back again. Of course, of course. But I have one last question, which you answered last time. This is the, the mission statement reframed as a question. So how do you, Karen Diver-Leland, use your difference to make a difference? How do you use your difference to make a difference? I use my difference to make a difference by being, by making sure that I'm really creative in my own life mm -hmm. and by making sure that I, everybody who comes across my path, personal or business, that I really try to support them in whatever their creative expression is. That doesn't mean painting or art or singing could be in business, but I really try to use my difference of creativity to make a difference with other people. Love it. That is amazing. Yes. Yes. Creativity is one of my values as well. So I always identify with people that, that, that love using that creativity, yeah. but thank you so much. It's been a real pleasure. This pleasure. has been fun. This is fun. Thank you. Kings, Queens and royalty till next time. Use a difference to make a difference. You've just been listening to the As Told by Nomads podcast. For more ways to reach out to Tayo and to use your difference to make a difference, head over to www.tayoroxon.com. Mom. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist-approved, so fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. 